Hi, good evening, and once again, welcome to another episode of the Alex and Mo podcast. And tonight, Alex and I are honored to have none other than Dr. Natalie O'Neill. Uh, yesterday was Indigenous Peoples Day. I just confessed to her that I'm very ignorant in regards to the history and the culture of Indigenous people. So Alex and I are about to learn a lot today. And mm -hmm. we are happy that she's closing out season two. This is our 60th episode, so... Thank you guys so far for rolling with us. We appreciate you. And welcome, Natalie, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Natalie, for taking time out to be with us. Um, you know, as Mo said, uh, this is a kind of a special episode for us. Um, you know, it's first time having uh, an Indigenous therapist, which I think is a very cool thing, uh, especially for our platform where we try right. to kind of spread awareness about every aspect of PT and healthcare across every community, you know, as many different communities as we can touch. Uh, so we're definitely excited to have you on. And as Mo mentioned, uh, myself included, very ignorant about the, the culture and the history. Um, you know, I went to Florida State, so that is the closest thing that I know um, yeah, to, to that culture um, sure. and how it kind of translated into what my university did and does. Um, but yes, it, it's very uh, unique experience that I think we're going to have tonight. So thank you again for taking the time to be with us. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to kick it off with a, um, a way that indigenous people, or at least people from where I grew up, introduce ourselves. That's in our native language. And then I can be happy to kind of share a little bit about my journey. So, Ambawashte. Shemagiabi, Inkusnawia, Wadopana, Shazemitoa. So, I said, uh, Good day, my relatives. Uh, my, I'm from the Wadopana clan of the Nakoda people. Um, and my name is White Panther Woman. And so um, that name is actually given to me by um, my, uh, when we do a naming ceremony, typically children are um, in the younger, like past toddler phase. Um, and it's done a very spiritual ceremony for me. I was named, I was blessed to have been named by one of our um, main spiritual leaders, a medicine man for our people. And he gave me this name and I didn't know until I was an adult. It is the longest oldest name of ancestors that we can trace back to before, like when the Europeans made contact with us. So um, our people. So White Panther Woman is our oldest known um, ancestor that we have in our storyline. So for me, um, and I come from a leadership clan. So I think um, learning that as an adult, um, it comes with a weight and a gravity, right? Um, and my journey, I think, has very much kind of um, embodied that in many ways, even without me knowing it. So um, my journey into physical therapy. So I'm actually zooming in from my homelands right now today. So um, I'm at the Fort Peck Indian Reservation, which is about 60 miles from the North Dakota border. It's in Montana and about 60, 70 miles from Saskatchewan, Canada. So we are literally so remote. Um, I have, I, we were, no kidding, a Starbucks uh, did this thing. And it was like the we are the furthest from a Starbucks in the lower 48 states. I think Alaska is more remote. They can beat us some of the villages there. But we literally are kind of can claim like we're in the middle of nowhere. And so um, when it comes to that, if you go by Starbucks, right, which is all corporate America, you know, talk about colonization <laughs> at its greatest. Right. But we don't even want to go there today. But um, I just want to share with you, um, you know, I am I am currently zooming in from there because I have, you know, some some calls to action for um, helping with my people with some pro um, projects for health that um, I feel are very near and dear to my heart. And I've kind of taken it um, at a more personal level to really do the things, right? Because we can do the things in many ways. Some of them are having your platform and your voice like you all are doing. And I've been a big fan, just so you know, I reached out to Mo and asked it, hey, Mo, can I please come on? Because not just for me, because it's not about me. It's not about self-promotion. It's about educating and, and your guys' mission and purpose very much is in alignment with, I know, like my journey, right, in life, um, whether it's Indigenous um, health concerns, whether it's promoting our profession to those that just don't, it doesn't exist to, you know, um, or even just talking generally about health and wellness. I think that's near and dear to my heart, and I've been a fan of you guys. So I just want to get that out there right away, okay? Um, I, that. I, I, I solicited, I, I, tracked, I tracked Mo down and said, listen, you need me. I, I want to come on. Uh, but, but shout out to you guys for all the work you do. 
Um, you know, me coming here today is not live, um, you know, on a platform. It was Indigenous Peoples Day yesterday. And Indigenous Peoples Day has a long history in the United States. You know, this day typically, and there are some places, I'm in Montana, politically, Montana has eight sovereign nations that are our, our Native American reservations located in our boundaries of our state. But it is also typically very, from a political standpoint, a state where you will still hear things like Columbus Day. You know, um, those kind of things are very still, even knowing that this Montana land of Montana was historically the land of not only my people, but other tribes from time immemorial, um, that is almost done deliberately to kind of give that little extra jab. You know, um, not to erase history because you can't erase history, but um, though anyone who look up the history book of the genocide, you know, and the assault on indigenous peoples that that individual was personally responsible for directly and then for generations to last. Right. So I think that's important to kind of acknowledge that indigenous peoples day was is not something that um, still in many states is even observed. Some states will still have it on the books as Columbus Day. But I think it's just a way to acknowledge not just the past and the present, but also the future, right? Restorative justice, you know, ways that we can kind of acknowledge that, you know, had it not been for the stewards of the land um, that we call the United States, uh, the way that things are going this day and age, um, it's really important to kind of get back to some of that traditional knowledge. Um, and some of it is infusing into our profession. And we can talk about that later, because I think that's important to kind of um, also embody some of the um, historical teachings that we know, like your, you know, the mind, body, spirit connection, that's indigenous, right? And we, but we talk about it all the time. We talk about pain science and like the power of healing. And I'm like, well, that's great. But spiritually, I've known that my whole life because I grew up very connected to my culture. And I feel very lucky that I was one of, you know, people that, that knew my, uh, a lot about our traditional ways, not like I said, I don't claim to be an expert with that. Uh, there are many people that that is their calling, right? They they are, you know, healers and that's what they do. Um, I'll be honest, Alex and Mo, it even took me until la this last year to actually acknowledge. I had a, a one of our like ceremonial people come to me and I just was very humbly kind of sharing my journey and how, you know, coming back here has been really healing for me. And um, she said to me, well, you're a healer. And I said, no, I'm not. There's medicine men, there's medicine women. I don't, I don't do that. I don't do the traditional ceremony. And she said, Natalie, you heal people. You put your hands on them. You make them feel better. The people that you have seen in this little bits of time that you're able to be here um, and you teaching some um, of this knowledge, you are healing people. So um, even for me, like I'm, I'm going through this journey myself and I didn't even really want to acknowledge it until it was kind of told to me um, that, you know, what we do in our profession is very healing, right? It's very hands-on. It's very like, you know, teaching your patients um, how they can make themselves go and feel better. So, um, but yeah, Indigenous Peoples Day, very special. Um, you know, it's really kind of been wonderful over the last, I would say, even two decades to kind of see the trajectory. Um, and many universities are now, you know, offering um, Indigenous Peoples Day as a celebration um, and acknowledgement. Uh, but, you know, it's acknowledgement is one thing, but then the action behind that is another, right? So to acknowledge, oh, we think the ancestors of the past, well, that's great. We're still here today. I'm in front of you right now. You know, I shared my welcoming and my traditional language, which thank goodness to the very brave ancestors that I had that I could still do that. I'm not fluent in my language, but part of that is some of the history and trauma of what was done with us when we were colonized. Um, a little bit of history about the Fort Peck tribes. Um, the Nakoda people is what we call ourselves, but and Nakona, but we are Assiniboine. Assiniboine is a French word. So when the colonials came over and, you know, kind of give names and stuff, um, we were of the seven Sioux bands. And the Sioux people are really what's often romanticized in like movies and, and, and the Wild West stories. The people on the horses with like the long braids and the very fierce warriors. Um, you know, those are definitely stereotypes, but yet my people were nomadic people. We did hunt the buffalo. We did live in teepees. Um, and to this day, you know, those are, are things that are very important to us uh, from not just a spiritual standpoint, but kind of knowing your history. Um, we were also enemies of the United States government. We were the only nation that they never ceded. They ceded to the war during that time. Um, and so in the late 1800s. So they tracked us really carefully. So I can actually go back and track all of my ancestors, sometimes verbal stories, but honestly, the United States government kept a very close tie on my people because we were 
the land was obviously very lucrative, right? And we were very successful warriors and, and were, were perceived at that time as a threat military wise. And so that's kind of like happen chance that I can go back and trans go back eight generations to my white Panther woman. Part of it is because of that, because the Indian agents that came from the United States over way East wherever Washington, DC to our lands um, were tracking us not for good reason. They were tracking us because they wanted to keep tabs, you know, uh, because we were picking off settlers right and left. You know, once we found out that things were not going to go the way that we thought they would, um, there was a, a, a very fierce effort, um, you know, that was upheld to hold our ways of living that I'm very proud to say today, 150 years later or so, you know, I can zoom in with you guys and share a little bit about that journey um, that I'm taking um, because the profession of PT is very limited in rural rural health in general, right? And I think everybody probably knows that. If you've been in a rural area, there's just not a lot of PT schools. I knew nothing about physical therapy growing up. I grew up here um, and then moved away to different reservations because my mom isn't what worked for the Indian Health Service, which is our public health um, health entity that the United States government, um, as a part of our treaties, you know, was upheld. Um, and so, physical therapy wasn't think at all i didn't know about but, it it's yeah let me pause you right there now because yeah. that, that's something interesting yeah. so you guys have your own we do system we do so a part of so there's 574 federally recognized native american and alaska native tribes half of them are the low in the lower 48 a lot of them as you probably know very much western united states the other 200 something are in alaska so alaska is beautiful when I talk about like native country, that, that Alaska embodies a lot of that because of the treaties we signed saying, you know, well, ex in exchange, obviously we're, we're giving up this, you know, land and, and, and all of the, all of what we know about living, um, a part of the agreement the United States government said was, okay, we will uphold the healthcare of your people. Nobody probably knew what that meant at that time. Nobody probably knew what the resources were embodied into it. But I'll give you an example. I just did a talk not too long ago where I pulled up stats and it's been three years. It was during 2020. Um, if you look at like Medicare, right? So we look at the United States government budget for healthcare. We have Medicare. We have the VA system. We have the prison system per capita. And then we have the Indian Health Service per capita. So the lowest funded of all of those agencies per capita, the Indian Health Service. So when you talk about healthcare, I would say it's more like menial sick care, meaning you, nobody really goes there until they're really sick. However, current administration, don't get too political, but current president right now um, signed the largest budget ever, ever, ever for that. So, so I think to me, those are signs that progress is being made. Um, you know, I don't know like what people may think one way or another, gosh, you're providing healthcare for an entire group of people. Well, it's 2 million people. Um, you know, how much would be Manhattan worth right now this day by real estate, right? My state right now is is on the size of, I think, New Hampshire and Vermont put together. My reservation, my reservation in Montana. How much would that land be worth, right? We don't know. You can't even predict that. You can't predict any of that real estate. Um, and so I think for me, people, I've, I've even had like, wow, that's like a lot. And I said, yeah, it is. But so is the land that we're all like beautifully calling United States of America and promises were made, um, you know, and the treaties were signed and they're still in effect as long as we have the United States government and Congress continues to uphold those, you know, there's um, definitely that. So yeah, so there is a whole entire, it's a part of the US Public Health Service. Um, we have students that do rotations, almost all of the schools. If you went to Florida State, I guarantee you there was rotations available. Now, they might not have been available to you at that time, but yeah, absolutely. And there's different health system. Um, now, a lot of tribes are doing what what I'm up here doing right now is um, our tribe is trying to take control back of our, instead of the federal government kind of overseeing everything, right? All of our budgeting, all everything. Our tribe is trying to, is trying to do what many other tribes have already done. Thank you. We'll take that pot of money, right? Because that's what is definitely, and, and we want to now use our own educated people, our own providers, our own um, talking to the community, the elders, the young ones. What do we need in our community? Because you guys telling us what to do is not working for us, right? We are social determinants of health, our risk for disease. You know, I think one thing that COVID, as horrible as it was, it was a huge eye opener for our indigenous communities. If you look up any data on it, um, they we were the he most heavily impacted per 
um, capita. You know, once again, numbers wise, no, we're not going to move a, a, a meter, right? Because we're talking, like I said, about approximately 2 million, you know, people in the US. However, if you look at like proportionately, we were like many of our communities, the Latino community, the African-American communities, we were also disproportionately impacted. And I think the effort to now say, okay, we need to step up and really bring in some of our people. And um, and I think a call was put out, like whether it was like an actual, like, you know, not like an ad in the paper, it was just more like a community vibe, right? Of like this, let's start making ways for individuals that have some experience in other things. Um, in the private sector, especially for healthcare and maybe other systems, um, come back and, and share some knowledge, um, even if it's just for a little while, right? So we can kind of get some things more independent for our own people, so. It is the norm of the community to keep all the care within the people? Like, does that, I, like, or do, do they, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to word this right way, sure. but like, is it the norm? Do they leave the reservation? Yeah. yeah. Like, do you do you, they leave to get the care, or 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 is it just like we're not leaving? So whatever care we can't get, we're just going to kind of suffer, so to speak. Absolutely, that's a great question, Alex. I can only speak to for what I've seen in my community, and then the communities I've worked in, and in some of the Southern California tribal nations, um, in Nevada, in the urban area, um, <clears throat> the rural area where I'm in, they do not want to leave. They only leave if they have obviously a major medical trauma. For example, you fall, you fracture your hip, right? There, we don't have a surgery center here. We don't have high level orthopedic care where they could come in and do the pinning and safely get them out. That's probably air ambulance or air flight, depending how severe it is, approximately five hours south of us to Billings, Montana. Um, and so I think that's important to kind of recognize nobody wants to leave the mistrust the mistrust, right, of, of any healthcare entity is huge. It's huge. You know, we still have records of up until the 1970s for sterilization of our women. I had two of my aunties who are in their late 60s. We were doing like this just kind of roundtable discussion and they were just blatantly sharing things that they knew directly, like directly had happened to one of their friends, directly had happened to people um, you know, I, I, I'm here in my community now and, and every other week I hear stories of some mistreatment, you know, um, assumed things. I just assume the pain level is not so high because, well, natives are stoic, quote unquote, stereotype. Mm. Therefore, I can't, my, because I'm not crying and have, you know, all these facial grimacing and things that um, typically are signs of pain, um, then I... Um, you know, I don't get the pain medicine, right? Um, so I think to me, or I don't get the imaging that clearly anyone else would have gotten had they presented with a little bit more, um, you know, pains and groans. So the the trust is as such that they would rather stay home and get what is, even if it's just minimal care, um, to kind of put a bandaid on something rather than go outside because the outside is not a trustworthy place. You know, you don't have your family can come visit you. You don't have like ways to kind of do any, if you practice any traditional medicine. Um, yeah, so I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that as well, so. Um, I definitely wanted to ask that, but I'm glad you explained it because traditionally, even mm -hmm. in the African-American community, there's been a lot of mistrust with experiments going wrong, like the Tuskegee experiment. Yeah. So um, your tribe and other tribes have been through a lot. A lot. With that Columbus yeah. time. Um, yeah. So. I mean, it, smallpox, you know, you look it up. That's historically yeah. a fact. The smallpox virus was literally used as a weapon, a terroristic weapon for my people in particular. We had, it's estimated up to 80% of our population of my people died from smallpox that were deliberately given in blankets as gifts we were starving we were we were taken away from our our traditional ways of hunting gathering um traveling because we were nomadic people we knew where to go when it came time for the buffalo to move when it came time to harvest certain berries when it came time to you know our people knew where to go for winter summer etc you take that capacity away and then you do things like give the, the smallpox which our people had no antibody no natural immunity to any of the diseases from 
you know, Europe otherwise, right? Because we were very isolated into our own little clans and, and kind of moving. So, um, yeah. So I think that's important to recognize too. There were acts of genocide done that you guys think about this not too long ago, late 1800s. We're not talking hundreds and thousands of years ago, you know, um, things in the 1950s that have been done and uncovered, like I said, just um, so it's understandable um, the mistrust that I really work hard to kind of think about, okay, how do we kind of reconfigure this? You know, this sounds very like governmenty. I kind of use this word. This sounds very governmenty to me. Like when we're kind of writing some of these policies, can we make it sound more like it's coming from a community member that they can trust, right? And so I think that's important to kind of recognize as well. Um, so we're yeah. trying to gather the community members. How difficult it is? I mean, you entered physical therapy, and we're going to mm -hmm. talk later sure. about how if there were challenges that you encountered actually getting into a, a PT program and mm -hmm. other things that you have faced because Alex yeah. and I have sure had our challenges. So how is yeah. it you can get or encourage the younger people in the tribe to get into yeah. medicine or stuff to provide the healthcare? I think to me, it's getting those little bits of exposure regularly, right? I think it's important to like, I think any of us that do this work, right? Catching them when they're young and still impressionable, right? Still young enough, not that high school is is by any means old, but by then some of the habits and mistrust have really been ingrained. Um, I'm, I'm currently, we're targeting a lot of elementary school and middle schoolers, because to me, that's like exposing them, me being out there. I mean, you should see when I went to the gym on Friday night to watch some volleyball it was so cute to have this entire row of adorable little um girls from my tribe my community pointing out and like dr natalie dr natalie and like one of them was brave enough to run up and ask me and um you know how many of our little guidance counselors have said or teachers that when they ask kids what they want to be they want to do physical therapy i've talked to them about occupational therapy so i mean that's just an end of one right so how do you go about that well number one you have to establish yourself in the community as a part of trust Right. And even if you can't be here, because I can't be here 100% of the time, I have other obligations. Right. Um, but I think for me, it's important to kind of have that positive, positive experience treating grandma. And if you treat grandma and you do a good job taking care of grandma and she can trust you, I guarantee you grandkids are going to come to you. Um, daughter and son are going to come to you, you know, relatives. The network just kind of spiders out that way. And if you, um, you know, that's why you have to be really care careful with capacity building. Right. Because I think to overpromise and underdeliver is 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 beyond from a business perspective. You guys are business people. You know, that's that's dangerous for your brand. Um, I think for communities that are at risk, that's that's absolutely traumatizing. And it's almost it's almost the opposite of like helping. Right. It's actually harming um, and detrimental. So for me to work with these little ones and just have them get a positive experience of being around, you know, seeing an indigenous woman, seeing a Nakota woman, um, here and saying, you know what, she's, she grew up here, you know, she, she moved away and yeah, it took her a long time to come back. Um, but she is back now helping and, um, and I'm growing more, you know, we have, um, proud to say we have one that's a third year graduating. We have another that is going to enter into PDPT program, hopefully within this next year, um, others that are, are wanting to shadow. So I think that, that to me is like the way that you kind of, it's, it's a very grassroots approach. But employing systems, systematic outside changes haven't worked, right? So like having people from the outside come in and say, oh, you can do this. It doesn't work. And so to have our physicians come in, have that positive experience as well and, and teaching kids, you know what? You can do this. Like I, I'm no different than you. You can do this. And so that belief, um, I think starting them really young is, is critical. So uh, you, you mentioned obviously the disparity, um, the mistrust, the gaps in, in, in access to healthcare uh, that your community and your tribes have experienced. How does that, how do you factor into that? Uh, basically meaning, how did you end up being a PT, right? Because yeah, if, you're sure. if you're growing up with this, you know, the mistrust, yeah. you, your, your elders, your parents, you know, those above you, they've experienced negative things. They're like, we can't yes. go that route. We, we, right. We're not going to do that. But somehow you fall on this track of your yeah. typical uh, medicine, right? Where right. this is the route I'm going to go. Um, and then you said it took you a while to come back. 
So yeah. I'm interested to know like how you got on that that, sure. that path, and then when did you feel comfortable to say I can go, I can bring this back to my community? Right. Absolutely. That's a really good question, Alex. Um, you know, to kind of make a long, like all of us, right? We have our stories. Um, for me, my story really started. Um, with the sport of basketball. So basketball is huge in Native American culture. Um, basketball is like, you know, so, so important. There's a couple of movies about it. I would highly recommend. I think, I think LeBron James's company is putting up one called Res Ball soon, but basketball is very important to our um, native, modern Native culture. Um, I was fortunate enough to play and I was pretty good at it. Also blessed with the height that a lot of our Assiniboine people have. I'm six foot almost six two. And so you were tall people. Yeah. Tall people. <laughs> so uh, Buffalo, they say the Buffalo, you know, is a perfect protein to grow really tall people. And it's cold up here. Now, so I don't know what that has to do with it, but we're tall people. So basketball was like a way. And once I realized like, you know what, I'm pretty good at this. Um, I could use this as a way, as a trajectory for me. I was really good at school too. I, for some reason, just the colonial school system and me clicked. I figured it out at a very young age. If you read and you read and you read, you can regurgitate it back. You can do good on these tests and you can go. And honestly, I hate to, I hate to, cause I'm in higher ed. So I, I don't want to ever, ever do that to like that. That's that way that a student should, should kind of approach things. But I look back on it now and yeah, I was good at, I was good at the colonial school system and I, I did good, good with grades and um, could do what I need to do to move on. So I saw that as a way forward, like for me personally, individually to kind of get rid of um, all families have some trauma. My parents were really good people. They still, my dad's in past since 06. My mom is a, was a nurse. And so for the Indian health service, a native American nurse, one of the first from our tribe to graduate from nursing school. So that's like a very proud thing that I can say, you know, and spent her time not not clinical nursing, then going into more administrative and leadership. So uh, for me, I knew healthcare was important because I saw my mom, I saw the work she was doing in, in the communities when we would go to different community hospitals that were, you know, in Indian health service um, and just the impact that she could have as a, as a young girl. She would bring me to those community outreach events, the health fairs, all those different things. So that had a huge impact on me, Alex. So how did I come across physical therapy? Well, I was, my, my, my mind was medicine. I had excellent grades, um, you know, playing basketball. Um, and then I, like a lot of athletes, I tore my ACL my, my second year in college. And I had to go through that whole process of like reinventing myself and rehab. And, um, you know, and to me, that was like, hey, this is pretty cool. Like, I really think this is neat. Um, you know, what can I do to help other people in a way that maybe more and i know like it's yes it's western medicine but if like i said i go back to if you think about what we do and the way most of us approach physical therapy a lot of it is about using your own body right your own hands on as a provider to help people feel better right to help take the pain away and to me that is very in alignment with the um the like indigenous values that i was brought up with so yes it is western medicine yes dpt curriculum absolutely is falls on that line of like traditional medicine but for me the concept and philosophies i felt like were more in alignment with what i can do so i, I landed on pt uh you went to apply at usc i had really good grades i enrolled there and i i honestly didn't even apply anywhere else once i kind of got that early acceptance um and just rolled with it and it's just been a cool journey um you know kind of learned more about about that and, and how did i get into my working with my native communities i was in la and i asked if i could do a rotation back on my in Montana, they didn't have physical therapy on my reservation. They haven't had it from a tribal health perspective until I brought it here um, last a little over a year ago. Um, so my mom was working at another reservation at a pretty a larger facility closer to our, our one city. And so I did a rotation there, an internship. And I thought, well, this is kind of cool. Um, but once again, I really couldn't feel comfortable doing the government thing. So I did not take the job offers of the Indian Health Service because I wanted to kind of blaze my own path and learn more. Um, so I took more of like working in hospital systems. I'm, you know, our family um, was more financially smart to at the time um, started growing our family, moved to Las Vegas and just kind of started working with more of the urban. Like there's a larger each, even though I told talk about these beautiful, like my homeland, 574 tribes. 
statistically and census wise, there's almost as many Native Americans that live in cities. So kind of kind of learning. Yeah. And I didn't know that either in Samoa until I, I didn't know that as an indigenous person, how many people lived off the reservations until I went myself. And then I came into these communities of like, I'm from, you know, Oklahoma, I'm from over here, I'm from different tribes. And so you kind of start building your own little community as well. Like so many other Weimar narrative groups, you know, that strength in numbers kind of um, philosophy. And so I started doing things like pro bono work. Like if there's a elders thing, you know, I can kind of come to the Native American elders group and talk a little bit about falls or, you know, it just was very gradual. Um, until I just kind of had this like decision I made consciously about, I would say about six years ago, 2018, I met another native woman. I was, I was always looking for other, I knew there had to be, and I'm sure I ran across them. I just maybe didn't know. I'd go to the CSMs, you know, I would go to like some of the big projects and I, and I would ask around, I'd even ask my USC colleagues like, oh yeah, there was a native person that graduated like four years ago. Do you remember the name? Oh, well. And then, of course, that's protected information. You don't always want to, um, you know, reach out, right? So it's like, okay, well, that's okay. Um, although I will say my USC colleagues and, and faculty were always very supportive, like awesome, you know, no no, no challenges with that. But um, there just was always like, okay, I look around. Oh, yeah, it is me. Hi, I'm the Indigenous PT, you know, person um, representing in this whole room. Um, which is always often then, how does that make you feel? Well, it makes you not want to really raise your hand and say much, right? Because at that time, I did not have any interest in being a leader. Um, you know, I was like, no, I'm going to probably stay in this profession for a few more years and then move more into like health policy, other things that I felt like I could make a bigger impact on. And in 2018, I met um, who was who couldn't join us today, but um, Lynette Gilmore, Dr. Lynette Gilmore, who is Dene, which is the their term for them, their people, but it's Navajo Nation. And we just saw each other and instantly. We're like, hey, hi, like, where are you from? And I don't know. We just struck up a conversation at the um, it was the it was at ELC and it was at their I think they called it at that time, the Minority Scholarship Fund mm -hmm. Gala. And so her and I just happened to both be there. And we just connected and both of us were saying, you know, we've always been looking around for others. I guess it's us. And so we just started kind of just really chatting. And then 2020 COVID hit and we just decided, you know what, we we came across, we reached out to other leadership, APTA leaders. Some of them have been amazing too, kind of, kind of like shaking the trees for lack of a better word to see like if any other like indigenous names came to us. And um, we found another like half dozen and, and, and so we just started this loose network called Indigenous Physical Therapy Network. Um, it has grown because once you get students, right, interested, and once you get them engaged, they want to seek out and they want. So now we have some and, and not everyone that's a part. It's a, it's a network. It's not like we're, we're at this point. We have um, we have visions of next year expanding into a much more formal process. But we're still always um, you don't have to be indigenous to be a part of our network. You just have maybe work in tribal health, maybe work in an urban community where you service indigenous people. Um, you know, so I think that's important to acknowledge, too, because we've had some super awesome supporters that are don't don't identify as indigenous but their full-time job is working on a reservation every day right and so they are very much in part of that um, outreach effort and our goal our main goal is of course to advocate right for the not only the awesome profession that's pt to understand and and my role now is a larger i've jumped on a few national health committee um um committees and and to advocate for our profession like you're going to cut up pieces of the pie for a budget we better be in there and here's why and here's why this helps native american health this is how we improve quality of life this is how we can tackle social determinants of health and i've been in spaces y'all with like congress people and they're just like on a zoom call and they're loving it they're wanting to hear more and you know i, I have to be very cautious with like my research and making sure I, when I say research, looking up data and facts, right? Like finding the most accurate things and also prefacing it with, I am not the expert on 574 tribal nations. I'm going to share with you my body of 16 years of, of this field. And I would say the last six to seven years of really infusing myself in as much of the policy um, and processes to kind of help advocate for just not just physical therapy, but, um, you know, preventative measures, et cetera. So I hope that kind of Alex answered your question. I'm sorry. No, it, it, no it, it definitely did. I mean, it, it prompted some, some follow-up questions on my part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could tell I'm passionate and see, it's not even about me. No, 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 no. Like no but I, but so. I've, you know I've, I've seen it. I've seen it because <laughs> I've, I've sat down with you and we've talked. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. 
So. See, and, but this this is, you know, this to me, mm-hmm. what we're having right at this moment is what I've always envisioned this platform to be, right? Where it's just conversation and, and just learning. You know, I always tell all of our guests, like, just imagine we're out having a nice dinner with a sure. beverage of choice and, and we're just sure. talking um, because I, I feel like that's how we get to know each other. And, and from there is where ideas and things kind of sure. sprout, so to speak. Absolutely. Right. Um, but my follow up question was, do you happen to know how many indigenous therapists there currently is? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably, I'm going to guess students nationwide across all DPT programs. I think the data I looked up recently, um, is there 24, 24. Yeah. And I think there's about 40, 40 indigenous that identify as indigenous PTs across all of the United States and Alaska. So, yeah, so there's not very many. I mean, I think we're point, I'm not kidding you point. Oh, someone look it up. I'm sure people will be looking up like point one or point. Yeah. Point zero point one. 0.1. 0.1. 0. Do you expect do you expect that to grow you know in the next 10, 15 years? I think so. I think so. I think here's why. Um, from a big policy perspective, having people like myself, like Dr. Gilmore, like um, some of our other leaders I can name that are currently doing such great work, step into those rooms where these big decisions are being made and saying, you need our profession and here's why. And when you need our profession, you need to go and you need to also help set aside funding then to send your own people to school um, in order to get this, you know, um, doctoral degree in order to bring it back to your community, whether it's rural or urban. So I see this growing um, because um, I don't think we can afford not to. And I think you guys all know this. I don't think anyone that's going to join on this podcast will be shocked to know, you know, our health system is not getting better. Our people are just getting sicker. And I don't mean just like indigenous people. I'm saying like our United States people, our worldwide people, right? So I don't know that we can sit there and talk about um, global changes to our healthcare system without saying if our profession isn't a part of those discussions, um, then that, that, you know, I don't know how things will improve. And I'm not, like I said, I feel like we're yeah, preaching to the choir, but if you really think about what we do, um, it, it is helpful, you know, it is impactful and you guys can see it every day in your patients, right? I mean, and so I think that's important. So I, I hope the metric will move. There are, as a, as a considered effort by our association, right, to engage more, right, to kind of support myself and others that are doing the work and providing resources, like actual resources, not just talk, right? Because lip services, we know often guilty with some of our professional, you know, um, associations. But um, I think actually having that, you know, those discussions of what would it take? I don't have all the answers, but I have some things that have worked, right? And so can we try some of these? Um, Can we use models? Like I'll shout out to the Choctaw Nation, their chief of rehab has literally grown this amazing community of their own homegrown PTs. They have their own. I mean, there's several. I walked into the clinic and there was four Choctaw PTs and I about fell over. I was like, what is going on here? Like, this is awesome. And I asked her, like, what did you do? And we just storied and I picked her brain. And like that was back in 20, gosh, 2021. And, um, you know, I'll reach out every once in a while, too, because, you know, whatever Chief Abate is doing, you know, there's something special there. Right. With with what um, and a humble person she is didn't want to take credit for it. But I said, well. I'm going to tell you, I've been around a lot of tribal nations over the last five, six years, and this is unique and and it's worthy of someone telling your story. If you don't have time, that's understandable, but let's, let's like talk about like, how did you guys get there? And, you know, what can, what could other tribes do to maybe mimic that some, you know, so. So funding should be a huge factor because we all are aware that the cost of uh, DPT education is yep. not getting any easier. Right. Um, so it's competitive to even get in. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have the grades or the people that know you to give you like the recommendation, that mm-hmm. could also be a challenge. The cost of going there could be a challenge. Moving off the reserve, leaving the reservation to go somewhere. You went to yeah. sunny California. So you must yeah. have had a good time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Say someone has to go to school. I I don't want to insult anybody, but so I'm trying to pick a a place that's probably cold or lonely, different. Yeah. Um, But if they had to go somewhere like Alabama, right? Move from Montana and go to Alabama. 
Yeah. Um, it's a different environment. Uh, probably not something that they're used to and be like the only indigenous yeah. person in that program where most people will probably not know their culture, um, mm -hmm. the food. There's going to be some struggles. So is there yeah. going to be someone to support that person? Right. Um, because they may not necessarily get the support from their classmates or their professors. Um, yeah. That's challenges that I know mm -hmm. Black students go through. Yeah. How How is the tribe going to support them then? And what's going to encourage them to return? After well, I think one thing that art for example i can like i said i speak to my tribe and the ones i've worked with recently um you know having those scholarship funds available right so making sure that there's funding there whether every month it's you know x number of dollars um having the job ready for when they come back so when we talk about physical therapy you know um capacity building and, and like you know going through the process of getting some, you know grants and other things that our tribe can actually su support um, you know, doing smart models of business where we're now doing third party billing, right? That's the, that's, that's the reality, um, you know, billing um, for some of the other insurances, right, to help keep the doors open and help be more financially like sustainable. I think those are important too. So, and then having things like our little indigenous physical therapy network, right? Those of us that want to engage and say, you know, um, how's it going down there? And Alabama, right? Um, how have you been? Um, you know, we probably know someone, maybe not too far. Um, can you, and, and by the way, you can probably do a rotation close to home. Let's work with your school and use our network. And we've done that. We've done that like two or three times just this last year, had students come out of nowhere, reaching out to us on Instagram or reaching out to me. Cause I did a talk somewhere and say, Hey, my school wants to ask, how do you do this? And schools are humbly coming forward. And, you know, saying, okay, how do we do this? And, and, and for me to do those connections and um, try to kind of do some introductions, it's a, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal, you know, for them to like say, you know, I want to come home closer to Montana, you know, and how do we do that? And I said, well, great. You know what? I know the, I know two PTs like that are one's over in one area. Here's another. Um, let's reach out and see what they could do, you know, and it comes a lot differently when you have a native PT telling them that a native doctoral PT student wants to come back because by the way, it's, it's possible she wants to come home or he, she, they wants to come home. And man, you should see like the shift and like those emails get rapidly responded to. And that's exciting. It's exciting because I think there are a lot of tribal health systems that they do want to have, you know, providers that look and act um, and maybe understand more about their people, you know, so. That's what good. do you, what do you see as your biggest obstacle? I think invisibility, visibility. I think there are a portion of the population, Alex, that don't understand um, that there are still active Native Americans here. Like I just taught you guys today about the Indian Health Service. You know, I think visibility and honestly, visibility and I don't know, I don't want to say like maybe being complicit with the system that continues to oppress, right? Meaning, I'll give you an example of a school, right? They're reaching out to me. I'm happy to help. Please, if you all, you guys can share my info, share my, you know, so I'm happy to help where I can connect if it's for like a Native student or a good cause. But Natalie O'Neill is not going to become your Native American, you know, um, liaison for all of your school. And by the way, for free, <laughs> on top of what else I do for my community, my, my husband, my well, children, my mentees, my Native kids that I'm like helping with every single day. Um, you know, I would love to sit here and tell you, you know, um, that that's the capacity I'm at. But reality is no. And I know you guys are in that same boat a lot of times. Right. So but it's common. You will have no idea. Just the bold like ass of like, boy, we really need this. We need to incorporate Native American health into our curriculum. What do you, what can you do for that? And I'm like, oh, OK. Um, are we talking a consulting fee here? Am I coming in as adjunct? I'm really not looking at picking up other jobs right now. So um, do you want me to put you in touch with somebody else that can do that? Like, what is the ask? Because it's not going to be free. Number one, it shouldn't be free. Um, number two, like, what are what resources do you have in place? Oh, we have a near American Studies Department. Bingo. OK, go to that undergrad American Studies Department. Start there and then come back and we can talk, right? Because there's already resources in your institution that are in existence. You just haven't taken the time or didn't know you were welcome. Then, you know, go introduce yourself, find out if you're welcome. That's that's something I can't make that effort for you, so. Yeah. Hmm. 
absolutely. I'm, absolutely. I'm learning a lot, Alex. <laughs> no, I, this is this has been uh, again to your point, like the visibility, right? Like mm-hmm. we don't. I'm in Tampa, Florida. Sure. Can, I'm sure I've maybe run across, but nobody that has openly said, "Hey, I'm an indigenous person." You know, sure. so like the opportunity isn't necessarily there for. I would probably say the majority of people, right? Of because course. the custom is you stay in the reservation, you're close to your people, and you don't necessarily trust outsiders. Sure. Right? So having that transition is tough for those that are wanting to leave. It's tough for those that are wanting to come back to help, mm-hmm. right? Because you just have this big gap. So mm-hmm. I think that the visibility is probably, I would agree, from an outsider's point of view, your biggest drawback, right? Like how can we get, it is. How it can is, we but- get our, our, our story? How do we get our voice out there so it's right. heard? Right, because if nobody's hearing it, then they can't even begin to listen. Right, just because yeah. you hear it doesn't mean you're listening. No, this is true. Um, so you've got to be able to hear it, then they can listen, and then hopefully from there, there's some action that comes with it. Absolutely. Well, and I want to make sure I kind of clarify. Yes, there are like the rural reservations, but keep in mind, I told you almost half of them. Now, half of American Indian Alaska Natives live in an urban city. So I, I bet you if we Googled it, Alex, there might be an urban Indian center in Tampa, Orlando area, right? You're talking about a state of Florida, which has now one of the most powerful and wealthiest tribal nations in the Seminole Nation. You know, they own hard rocks, right? They're putting up, like I'm in Vegas. When I'm in Vegas, they got they got the casino there that they're going to build, right? So, um, but not all tribes are like that. That's very few and far between, right? And so I think just knowing visibility is an issue, but just education yourself like whose land am i on right now well there's resources for that right there's land.ca you know you can pull that up it's a canadian based website wherever you are in you can kind of look at some of the historical homelands and then you can kind of fast forward through like what communities are in existence now near me and just think about that and reflect on like you know what um what could i do to kind of be more aware and knowledgeable and i think to me that's always the first step is just educating yourself and and having that it is okay believe it or not a lot of indigenous people are perfectly fine if you come in a good way and say hey you know i'm alex like i don't know much about like the native community here um, but i am a healthcare provider and i would like to know you know more and you might be surprised alex there have been people that once you kind of express that openness they have indigenous heritage. They just pass and they don't want to share because most people don't understand, you know, some of the trauma, historical trauma, um, you know, current like um, health disparities they face regularly. So, yeah. So Natalie, um, there are a lot of marginalized groups. Alex and I belong to marginalized groups. Yeah. But, and within our profession as well too, and happy National Physical Therapy Month, everyone. Yes, Uh, shout out October. Yeah, forgot to mention that at the beginning yeah. of uh, the show. So, if I believe we're stronger together, but every group has its thing that, oh, they're not doing this for us, they're not doing this for us, but there's a lot of commonality with mm-hmm. what we face. So, um, you guys are 0.1, I believe, as black therapists we are 3% if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um, but I know I check off a few boxes of the marginalized groups mm-hmm. do you think you are on the DEI I am I, I am I, I'm on yep I cycle off at the end of this year cycle yeah, okay. I've been on it and uh-huh. how long was that term three years three I did it th- I was appointed for three years yeah mm-hmm. okay so with that in mind yeah. Has there been any significant movement of having all those marginalized groups together to try to improve the circumstances of marginalized therapists? I can share with I, what I have witnessed in the mm-hmm. rooms that I've been in with some of our awesome leaders who you know, you, you mm-hmm. and I know. Um, I, I will say, yes, there has been more than I expected. I will be honest. I came in with more cynic probably then, and, and rightfully so, because in 2000, I got my membership in 2003, 
And I just stayed on the fringes. I, I paid because that was what you do, especially as a Trojan, you know, USC, you, you are part of APTA. Uh, but I, I can say from my, from my, what I have witnessed in rooms and in discussions have been some, not just, not just words, but policies to kind of push action for more collaboration, right? You're right for uh, amongst marginalized groups. Um, I also have seen leaders of these groups have really powerful discussions, right? And, and collaborate to say, you know, okay, how can we support each other? What can we do, right? So I think it's twofold, right? It's the association level. It's always been, always, there's always been champions, right? But to have those champions now say, okay, you're here, I'm here, let's see what we can do and then push the associations harder, right? And so. That's that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad yeah. because I, I know a few of you guys um, on that team and yes, you are movers and shakers and I know you weren't <laughs> going to keep quiet. No, so. we weren't and we still are. And I know I'm cycling off because I want to make space deliberately to make space for others that need their voice too at the table. Um, I feel like that that has only spearheaded me to um, maybe kind of rethink, right? Okay, pivot. Now what else can I do to shake some things up? Like, and now I know some people. So when I talk, hopefully, you know, that 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 voice will not just go into the to the like echoes, right? So <laughs> that's good to hear. Yeah. Well, Natalie, uh, I know you've got other stuff planned and stuff yeah. that you need to get to. So yeah. Thank you very much. This well, has been a, a truly very educational uh, experience for myself. I'm sure for Mo as well. And, and I'm sure for all our viewers and, and everybody that will get to see this at some point, um, you know, and, and hopefully we can help in that visibility aspect. Absolutely. Um, to to kind of get the exposure, get to people uh, to understand that, hey, this is just another piece of our puzzle and, and a piece that, that needs to be, you know, looked at and, and supported in, in whatever way uh, is possible. And, and hopefully brings more of those young, uh, you know, indigenous people that they have an outlet. There is something that they can do that is rewarding for themselves and for their communities as well. Um, so again, thank you very much. Wish you the thank best you. of luck with, with everything that you've got going on. Um, as always, if there's anything that Mo or myself can do to, to help, please sure. let us know. Trust me, oh. she's, she's going to find us. Yeah. <laughs> I found her already. And, and, I, and, and honestly, I found you all already. Honestly, thank you for chasing down Mo because yeah, I don't know absolutely. that I don't know that we get to this point uh, yeah. without that, right? Because again... Well, and yeah. No, she actually made sure that I sat on the sofa. Yep, I sit really down. We <laughs> talk, so. uh, but honestly, because it's not about me, right? It's about the yeah. about the the greater good, and and we're celebrating October PT Month. So I, I thank you guys for what you do because without this platform, you know, I wouldn't have opportunity to talk. And if anybody is trying to get out, you know, you can get a hold of me because you know, our indigenous PT network is on Instagram and it is kind of what we built it for was to help the next generation and, and the generations after. So thank you guys. Be safe, be well. I hope we cross paths in person to Alex soon so we can meet each other and and um, and take care of everyone. So thank you. Uh, have thank a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. And we're Bye. signing off season two. We'll see yes. you season three. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful holiday season. Um, and we'll see you in 2024. All right.